All right, guys, thanks for joining once again. Uh, today's AMA, we'll be covering part five of our tokenomics. Perhaps not many questions because um, it's not really too much new information in it. It's more of a summary and uh, like a bunch of things to think about, see how the things fit together type of article. So, um, but yeah. Let's uh, see if there's any questions. Basically, no now. So, Lord Prince asks, can you update on testing the new pools? A little sneak peek? Yeah, so I can do that. Actually, we were going to release a formal update in our announcements tomorrow. Um, but for you guys tuning in, you get the early sneak peek. Um, so, as you know, we announced in, uh, I think it was our our article about the uh, our perform performance results after the first two weeks on Jupiter. We mentioned that we'd be deprecating the MSOL USDC pool, temporarily at least, uh, until we can uh, we finish testing of um, using the, the SOL USDC Oracle to trade MSOL USDC. Um, but we haven't done that yet. In the meantime, we've opened a bunch of new pools. So, the new ones that we've opened are Sol USDT, BTC USDC, USDT USDC, and UST USDC. So there's 200K in all four of those. And then the last pool, UST USDC, um, it's composed of the team's funds rather than the flares funds. Um, and that's because we're testing a special new strategy um, that the team has come up with that could um, be very good for stable pools. But we want to make sure it's profitable before before putting in the flares funds. So yeah, so right, so right now we have 1.6 million worth of um, flares' liquidity deployed. And then we have... Um, about 200k more of liquidity left to be deployed. So if we, if the testing for USD USDC goes well, we'll probably deploy that remaining 200k there. Um, let's see. Yeah, and so some of you might have noticed that. Um, let's see. Like when we first launched, our daily volume was around five million. Per day something like that and then um like a week or actually i guess more than two weeks later it started to decrease and then it started to be like two or three million per day i think and then recently like the past few days it's increased to six ish six or seven something like that um, and so a lot of that is because of the <clears throat> the uh, new pools that we deployed. The reason for the decrease, it's really hard to pin down because markets are so so multifaceted. Like it, like there's just um, variance in trading volume. Um, but also something that probably contributed to it was the fact that Mercurial and Saber lowered their fees from 0.04% to 0.01%, which is quite a large decrease. And so 
um, when that happened, the team noticed that many trades began to be routed around Seoul USDC. So what I mean by that is um, if someone was trading Seoul for USDC, for example, they might take a route like Seoul to USDT first and then USDT to USDC on, for example, Mercurial or Sabre. And so it would go around our pool because we didn't have a USDT pool. Now we do have Seoul USDT and USDT USDC. Um, so that's probably partially why we've um, captured more volume. Uh, but yeah, like the reason for the decrease, it's not easy to pin down. So can't really say for sure. Anyhow, yeah, that's an update on our decks. TLDR doing pretty good. <laughs> um, let's see. Other than that, um, like development wise, we're just doing a bunch of things that need to be completed before the IDO. So um, finishing up our white paper, finishing up part six, which has all the juicy details that everyone's waiting for related to the IDO and our uh, token allocations and all that. Um, then we will enable deposits for our pools for the whitelisted people and flare holders. Then we will, uh, yeah, so other than those things, there's a bunch of um, programs that we need to develop prior to the IDO. So that's the VE Lifinity program that we're building on top of Tribeca. The uh, VE IDO, which we haven't really talked about the details of that. That'll be in part six. But we have to develop a unique program for that. Basically, like building on top of the Mango style IDO, uh, which is open source. And also create the website for the IDO. Uh, and then we need a revenue distribution tool for VE Lifinity holders. Um, this will be, yeah, so basically like the, the program for actually distributing the revenue that we generate, um, details in part four. Um, then we have the Lifinity buyback tool. This will just be, um, using the 50% of the revenue for the buybacks. So the other half that's not distributed. And then finally, the constant product, Lifinity USDC pool. Um, Lifinity, the token, will not have an oracle, so we can't have a standard pool with an oracle for that. So we need a constant product pool. Good old constant product. It, it does have its uses. <laughs> um, so yeah, we need to develop that. And uh, I think that's all. Might be something I missed, but... Yeah, so those are the things we're working on. It's quite a lot to do before the IDO. Um, but, of course, the upside of that is that right after the IDO, like, we have all the all the good parts ready to go. I mean, not everything. Like, we won't have the, the method for um, <clears throat> selling... Uh, VE Lifinity for LP tokens, like we're, we'll still need to build that out after the IDO, as well as like the whole bribing mechanism stuff. But we'll be able to deploy all the liquidity that we raise in the IDO, um, start earning revenue with it, and start distributing it. Yeah, which is like pretty fucking cool, right? <laughs> like most IDOs 
I mean, often they don't even have a working product yet, and e but those who do, like, they don't have revenue distribution. Um, so yeah, having that baked in right from the get-go, it's pretty dope. All right, so Seth Kudabidi asks, do we have a marketing team? We do. Uh, his name is Tyler Durden. <laughs> um, I am the marketing guy, but, um, yeah, I mean, like, you kind of know my whole approach to marketing. It's like, basically just release quality content and don't try to be like a hype guy. Don't waste people's attention. Um, yeah. Which, I mean, I've talked about this before, but that has its benefits and its downsides. But anyhow, that's, uh, yeah, that's me. <laughs> um, let's see, what are we, yeah, follow-up question. What are we honestly planning to do with the bot back flares? I mean, I'm not in charge. This is, uh, the flare DAO is in charge. I mean, I'm sure you know that, but. So, I mean, I'll, I'll just mention the idea again, because I really like it, where we burn a hundred of the flares, and then as if rising rising from the ashes, we create a one-of-one, one, call it a phoenix, if you will, uh, a new NFT that is not part of the Flares collection, does not have the privileges, such as receiving Lifinity tokens. It's just its own unique one-of-one one thing. Then we hold an auction for that piece, and we take the proceeds and we split it, say, like 50-50 between the artist and the Flare DAO. Um, no new NFTs introduced into the supply. Uh, it's a win for the DAO because they make some revenue. It's a win for the artist because they make some revenue and probably um, they get access to like our whole audience kind of. Um, yeah, it just seems like a win, win, win for all and uh, better than like just burning. So I like that idea, but I am not the Flare DAO. <laughs> so, all right. Um, ben Long, need to decide. Uh, I mean, kind of, but like the great thing is like, even if they just sit in the treasury, like it's as if they had been burned because they don't get the Lifinity tokens. So like from my perspective, it's basically the same thing, except we're maintaining our options. Like there's no downside to just like having them in the treasury. So like to me, there's no rush, but that's just me again. I'm not the player now. <laughs> All right, Madan asks, why do we need a whitelist for liquidity providers? A flare is not a big commitment to be able to become an LP. Um, so I guess what you're implying is why shouldn't just the flare holders be able to be liquidity providers is I think what you're asking. So to give some history, we did the whitelist before we had launched our flares, like we had announced the flares, um, but we did the whitelist leading up to the sale of the NFTs. And if you recall, or well, maybe you don't know, we were very, very small um, before our NFT sale. 
I think we had less than a thousand followers on Twitter. Like that was the level of our exposure. And so the whitelist was like, it was partially a method to um, get our name out there. Cause like it was accompanied by like retweet and post a comment of which which pool you would like to provide liquidity for, um, stuff like that. Uh, yeah. So I hope that makes sense. Like that actually that came first, and then later we were like, as a thank you to our flare holders, we're adding you as liquidity providers. Um, and like we had no idea that our NFT sale would go so well. Um, we didn't expect to sell out in two hours. So, yeah, I think it's a fine play. Um, and I hope that historical context helps you understand the rationale for why we went that route. <clears throat> um, Seth Kudabidi asks, can we do the auction with the Lefinity name? Not sure what you mean, but yeah, if we do the auction, like, I mean, we'll definitely let people know that this is a Lefinity thing. Um, and I mean, it'll probably be somewhat obvious from the art as well, I'd imagine. Like, you'd, you'd expect people to do, like, some type of derivative of flares, right? So, uh, Bill Garden, the artwork really helped too. Yeah, dude, I could not agree more. Um, I mean, like, our art is still unique, right? Like, one, it's animated, which is, like, really rare. And two, like, the, uh, the colors are very different. Like, we have light colors on dark background, basically. Um, whereas, like, most NFTs are, like... Yeah, I wish I had the language to describe it. I I, I don't have the art language, <laughs> but it's like these uh pastels. That's not the right word, is it? <laughs> it's like these uh very yeah. Never mind. I don't have the language. Fuck it. <laughs> but yeah, artwork's dope, isn't it? Um, Seth Kudabidi, is there going to be any kind of advantage to buying the auctioned NFT? So I, I I would say we shouldn't give it any privileges. Um, I mean, if there's like some kind of perk that doesn't impinge on the flares or on the decks, then I think it's fine. But like, that's not easy to find, right? So it's just like a matter of how to figure that those kinds of perks out. Like, for example, an easy one would be like, you get a special role on Discord. <laughs> like, that would be cool. I guess, but, you know, also not, like, super incentivizing. Um, but, like, in my estimation, like, uh, I think I think they would still go for quite a lot. I mean, it also depends on, like, the quality of the art. But, like, the good thing of what we could do is we could tell, like, the art world, hey, we're doing this thing, and you can make some art and apply um for it and maybe you'll be chosen and if you do you get 50 percent of the proceeds which is like pretty cool right 
and you also like get to spread your name um like even if you don't win like people will be checking out your art because like the flare dao will be voting on like which which work to use for the auction um yeah so i think it would be really good but yeah uh, Benox asks, the mercurial fee reduction seems to be a response to Lefinity. What other levers might they have to claw back val volume? I'm not sure it was, though, because, um, like, we weren't competing with them. Like, they're a stable exchange, and, like, they lowered it before we opened any of our stable pools. So I don't know the rationale for them reducing their fee. Yeah, the thing about reducing fees is like, in the end, it doesn't, it usually doesn't benefit you because everyone just copies you. And then all the exchanges as a whole just get less fees. <laughs> so none of the exchanges win, but the traders win because now they get to trade more cheaply. Um, what other levers are they to claw back volume? Um... I mean, like, they could, like, start treating certain exchanges preferentially on Jupiter. But, I mean, I highly doubt they would do that because it would, um, it would damage their name. And, like, they, it would, it, they have, like, their three promises, right? I forgot what they were. But one is, like, always offer the best price. And if you're treating certain exchanges preferentially, then you can't commit to always offering the best price so i'm not sure they have any more levers um i mean like they have there's like the indirect method where they can increase their liquidity mining rewards which will incentivize people to deposit more on their platform so then they have more liquidity so then even without lowering fees they get more volume so there's that and we will not be able to fight that because we don't have liquidity mining but that's okay. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, 000X says, Many one-of-one -one artists also have their own following, and people buy almost everything they create. Yeah, true. I wonder... Um, <laughs> it'd be funny if, like, people who, like, don't own any flares started bidding on our auction... <laughs> Just because they like the artist. <laughs> that would be funny. Lord Prince, little follow-up on chat. What's your take on building an impermanent loss dashboard so people can see an overview of all LP pools they have been in with the impermanent loss that was involved? Uh, let me check something real quick. Um, yeah. Yeah, so we were talking about this in the chat. Actually, I'll just finish. For educational purposes... I have been looking for something like that forever, but never found something useful. So not only of Lefinity's pools, but also other pools, for example, in Orca and Radium. Yeah, like, kind of weird that this doesn't exist, or at least not that I know of. Like, there's tools where you can calculate your impermanent loss, but you have to, like, input the amount in each pool when you started. Um and how much the price moved or something like that. You have to, there's like a bunch of inputs. And, 
and uh, like it doesn't have any data, right? So like if it had all the exchange data, then you can be like, well, I, de I deposited on this exchange on this day at this time, then withdrew at this time. And then it could just pull all the data for you and do all the calculations. That'd be cool. But yeah, I haven't seen anything like that. <clears throat> and like the thing they, they like every exchange 100% should do, in my opinion, is um, calculate the impermanent loss for each person um, while they are while they have deposits on the platform because that shouldn't be hard to calculate. Um, the way to calculate impermanent losses, you look at how much you you how much in assets you deposited when you started. So basically, it can be like okay, when this guy first deposited, he deposited one soul and 100 USDC. And so then they just compare against that. They're like, okay, now their LP tokens are worth 1.1 soul and 90 cents, or no, $90. Um, and then they just compare, is that less or more than one soul and $100? And like that calculation is super easy, right? Like, because um, you're just keeping track of that one point in time when you deposited, how much in deposits, and then just compare it to how much in assets your LP tokens are worth right now. Um, and it, it would show you your impermanent loss, like super duper easy. But nobody does this to my knowledge. And I assume it's because, um, well, one, like at the beginning, like impermanent loss wasn't well known. So like it didn't become a standard, like for example, on Uniswap, so like other exchanges have copied the data that they provided. And then later, even though the like knowledge of impermanent loss became well known, um, these exchanges have no incentive to show it because they know that um, if people see their impermanent loss, they're more likely to withdraw, right? But all these exchanges, their goal is to maximize the amount of liquidity that's on their exchange. Um, so why would they show it? There's just no reason to. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, so we were talking about this in the chat and basically what I said was like, what will Affinity do? Um, right now what we have, we have two things that already make us infinitely better than other exchanges in this regard. Uh, we have the trading fees, and this is something that every exchange has. It shows how much APR you can expect in trading fees based on the past X amount of time, like a week or whatever. And then we also show the trading fees plus um, all the profit and loss from market making. So basically, it's your net change in the value of your LP tokens um, expressed as an APR. Um, so basically, in other words, <laughs> that's like a complicated way of saying we do show the impermanent loss and we show the trading fees plus the impermanent loss, <coughs> which in our case is more often than not market making profit. So we are making a profit from market making rather than, uh, losing as you do with impermanent loss. Um, so yeah, I mean like a good step one. A next step forward that we could take um, 
is to show the impermanent loss that you would have incurred if we were a constant product AMM, which is the most common type of AMM. Um, so I think that would be great because it starts to show people what they're not seeing on other exchanges. Um, and so like it's good for the ecosystem in like a educational sense. It's also good for Lifinity itself because it advertises or it makes clear like our value proposition like to people who haven't looked into our docs. It's like it's like, oh, that's what it's like on other exchanges, but on this exchange, like the APR is so much higher just through market making and it's not even liquidity mining. Um yeah, we'd hope it would have that effect. Um, but yeah, you're talking about like creating a dashboard for like any exchange and all LP pools showing your impermanent loss. I mean, like that would be super cool, right? But I don't think it's something for Lifinity to do. It sounds like a pretty um, large project in and of itself. Um, I mean, if we did have that, that would definitely be cool. It would be like a way for people to like go to Lifinity is like, like people would tell their friends like, hey, you can check out this site or you can check out your historical and permanent loss wherever you provided liquidity. And then uh, like learn about Lifinity that way. Like that could be a thing, but yeah, it seems like a lot of development work. So yeah, would be difficult. Uh, I mean, like maybe if we, we have time sometime, but yeah. 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 I think I've talked about that long enough. All right. <laughs> Moving on. Triple Zero X asks, are there plans for Lifinity to become more independent of Jupiter? Um, right now we do not have plans to become more independent. So, I mean, like previously we did, if you remember, like we were actually developing our own aggregator. Um, yeah, we were doing that before Jupiter even existed, I believe. But, um, yeah, they outpaced us because they were, like, 100% focused on that, and we were also developing the exchange. And I, I, I say we, but, like, all that happened before I even joined, I think. I joined in November. Um, but, yeah. So, yeah, yeah. So, no plans to become more independent at the moment. Um, yeah, I mean, so I guess maybe what you're thinking of is like, doesn't that pose a risk? And like, in a sense it does, like Jupiter could rug pull us, right? Be like, we don't want Lifinity anymore. <laughs> and just like remove us from, uh, their platform. So they don't route to us anymore. It just seems unlikely because like, it's a symbiotic relationship. Like, we get a bunch of volume. They get to keep their promise of offering the best price um, because we often do provide the best price. So, yeah. Something we're not really worried about right now. All right, let me take a drink. <clears throat> All right, Seth. Seth could a beady. <laughs> what a name. How about we can take a set of 100 flares 
make one auctioned NFT. So basically the hundred are burnt and we make one cool looking one and auction it. After that, we enable that one good looking NFT to come into the collection of Lifinity. So at the same time, it's a rare slash good looking one. Plus I don't see a drawback. 100 to one ratio. Well, the drawback I think that people would point out is that <clears throat> while they were the 100, they're not on the market. They're in our treasury and there was no plan to reintroduce them into the market. Um, whereas it sounds like what you're suggesting, well, actually, yeah, 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 because you're auctioning it. So that is reintroducing it into the market. So that's what people are not going to like. Like, there's a lot of people in this Discord that do not want to reintroduce a flare, a bought back flare to the market at any cost. <laughs> I'm not one of those people. Like, I think there are, there could be reasonable ways to do that. Um, but I also think it's not necessary. And like in this case, I don't see the need for it. Um, yeah, yeah, but yeah, you're going to get a lot of pushback on that front, I think. And where do we ourselves two years from now, seeing that everything we wanted is being accomplished two years from now? Wow. So actually, we kind of addressed this in our part six. We have a roadmap, but we also say that like we don't want to project too far out into the future. Like if we say if we have a roadmap for two years into the future, I think we're doing something wrong because <laughs> it's just assuming too much knowledge on our part. Like things are going to change. And so we want to keep our options open and be able to adjust. Um, like even before the IDO, like right now, we're already like doing a bunch of adjustments, right? Like one was we lowered our fees from, uh, what was it? 0.15% to 0.04%. Um, and let's see, what was the other one? Oh yeah, so like the MSOL USDC pool, like now we're doing something new there because we realized the Oracle isn't as useful as it is for SOL USDC. Um, and then, yeah, I mentioned at the beginning, but like we, we were testing this new method for market making for stable pairs. So like it's all about adjustments, I think. So yeah, two years ahead, like no fucking clue, dude. <laughs> um, yeah. All right, Blob Hair. Good morning, Durden. Thanks for always taking time out to do these AMA sessions. They're so helpful for us community members trying to keep up with the project. On the topic of the USDT USDC pool, the team is currently testing with its own funds. Um, I think that was the, uh, just to make sure, that is the, uh, wait, um, UST USDC pool, not the USDT USDC pool. <laughs> Sorry. Um, <clears throat> Yeah, just wanted to make sure there's no confusion. So on that pool, team is currently testing with its own funds. How is this testing going? Um, no comment. <laughs> I mean, like, for one thing, I actually don't know because like this is not the the thing I touch on. Like basically, they tell me what they're doing and then they tell me the results, but they're not like giving me, you know, hourly updates on how it's going, the PNL for the pool or something, whatever. <laughs> Um, oh, by the way, we are working on um, 
making those pools appear on our interface. There's a some error, something, something. I don't, I don't even know. But yeah, so those will show up in the uh, the pool tab on our app soon. Right now they're not showing up, but yeah, soon. Uh, let's see. I love to hear the news that more pools have been added using the Flare LP. I'm assuming this means that we'll start seeing a larger and larger weekly trading fee number as these pools are able to capture volume. Yeah, that should be the case because if you look on Jupiter, I, I touched on this earlier, but our volumes are looking larger. I mean, they're at all time highs, like 7 million 24 hour volume right now. So yeah, uh, if I had to guess, they would probably increase. Regarding the VEIDO structure, have the details outside the exact date been finalized for now? Um, the exact date. Let's see, have they been finalized? I think they have. Um, I'm pretty sure they have, yeah. 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 I mean, it doesn't even matter for you, I think. Because, <laughs> like, we're going to announce them with the article, so... Yeah. But yeah, it's basically finalized. All right. Billy Ran. How will the DAO be managed? As in logistics, mechanism, treasury management, etc. Joined late if I missed it. Also, you're doing great, mate. Thanks. Um, If you read part five of our tokenomics series, we touched on governance. And uh, I'll give you the TLDR. Uh, basically, the team will decide what will be voted on and what won't be voted on. The reason for this is governance um, for DeFi projects, especially right now. There's very little participation. People are often not educated enough to make good decisions. And often, a small number of people have the large majority of the voting power and so it's basically like not great and like people basically only want to participate if there's like some financial gain for them so we give an idea of what kinds of things we will put up for a vote and which ones we won't the ones we will are basically anything involving money because that is the thing that people actually care about and people actually vote for so those will be things like most importantly um, being able to decide which pools Lifinity emissions will go to, because that is a privilege that other uh, protocols will want to control through bribing. So you can bet, basically like get paid for that. And then also our treasury of VE Lifinity. Um, right now, it's its only intended use will be to use it to grow our protocol-owned liquidity by selling VE Lifinity for LP tokens, as explained in part one. But if there's any other uses that we can think of for that, then yeah, we'll put that up for a vote. Um, and then like things relating to the decks, like um, which new pools to add, um, what level of concentration each pool should have, or like stuff like that. These are the things that we will not be putting up for a vote because these are the things that people probably don't care enough or even if they do care, are probably not informed enough to make good decisions. And it also slows us down if we have to vote for everything. So yeah, 
like in my mind at least like the kinds of things that we will be voting for are pretty clear-cut and also the things that we won't be voting for and there's good reasons for making this clear-cut distinction <clears throat> and um yeah no one's complained so far which i'm glad <laughs> like no one's like oh affinity's um super not decentralized which i mean that's basically true we're not right <laughs> like at inception we're not going to be decentralized um but as we explained in the article we want to become decentralized we just recognize that it's going to be a long process and uh yeah so i hope that answers your question uh feel free to ask any follow-up questions um cool all right, uh, moving on. Madan asks, I think APY.vision is attempting to track individual positions and show impermanent loss, PNL, etc. Nice. Good plug. I'll have to check that out later. <clears throat> How does Jupiter make money? Will they introduce a fee at some point? If that happens, could they add different fees for different AMMs? Um, so... My understanding is that they're not going to introduce a fee. Um, I heard one way they could make money is... So you know how when you make a trade on Jupiter, you input the amount you want to trade, and then it shows you how much you will, you can expect to get. And then you can set your, um, your slippage, max slippage percentage. Um, but sometimes you get more than it showed you on the interface because in the time that it took for your transaction to go through, a different trade occurred before yours and it was like in your favor. So basically, like if you're buying soul, someone sold soul before your transaction went through, lowered the price of soul, so then you got to buy at a at a lower price. So you got more soul than you than it than it said you would. So in those cases, um Jupiter I think that that's one way where they could take all of that all of the extra so like um however much it didn't show in the interface when you um first formed the transaction um just take that as profit or take half of it of profit or whatever <clears throat> and so then like that way it's not there's no fees you're not um like it, it seems totally fair right like so basically the gist of it is whenever a trader gets lucky and gets more than um they were promised then jupiter takes part of that so that could be one way i don't i have no idea like how much that would be it could be like tiny maybe it's uh decently large i have no idea um like fees is the obvious way but yeah fees kind of suck right I mean, there's a reason, I mean, this isn't the only reason, but there's a reason that Jupiter is, like, used way, way more than Prism. Prism has, what was it? I think it's, like, a 0.5% fee, or maybe that's large. I don't know, maybe it's smaller. But, like, they have a fee, and so that means you're you're going to get a worse price on Prism. Um, I mean, Jupiter is also better because it has better routing and stuff, but... Even if their routing was equivalent, it's like you'd always want to use Jupiter. 
<laughs> so like once you introduce a fee, it makes it easier for competition to spring up. So yeah, but I don't know, man. I don't know what Jupiter's plan is. Um, I mean, like, so I guess there's two ways to introduce a fee. One is at the user, the traders, and the other is like at the exchanges. Um, as far as I know, they haven't implied that they would start charging us for routing us trades. Um, so yeah, I don't know. You should ask them. I imagine that's a question they get often. Um, but yeah, on a related note, just because this comes to mind, as you know, we use Pith and Pith will eventually, I think, move to a paid model. And if and when that happens, we will need to pay them fees for using their data. So that's something to think about. Um, right now it's free just because they're getting bootstrapped, I guess. But like eventually, I don't know if you guys have checked their docs or anything or their Medium articles. Like later they plan to move. So first of all, they're going to launch a token and then they're going to have like a staking model. So basically like the the data publishers, which are like the exchanges, the traders, the market makers, they will stake their tokens and publish data. And the reason they do that is because um, if they have to stake the, the PIF tokens, that means they can get slashed. So if they provide false data, um, then their PIF tokens can be deleted. So this incentivizes them to provide good data. So basically, it makes the network stronger, basically. But of course, <clears throat> if they have to do that, they need some kind of compensation. And that's where uh, the exchanges come in or the people consuming this price data uh, need to pay them for providing this good data. <clears throat> yeah, so, but yeah, that's sometime in the future. Not sure when. Oof. All right, let me take a drink real quick. All right, Bill Garden asks, looking ahead, which trading pairs are you most excited about? Um, not something I've thought about much. I mean, I think Seoul USDC will always be the most exciting because it has the most volume and uh, it's it's the most competitive. Um, well, I guess um, some stable pairs are also quite competitive, like UST USDC. I think recently, especially, has been like very high volume and also very competitive. Um, yeah, so, yeah, for me at least, I guess those are the most exciting. <laughs> I don't know, I'm not a trader, so. Yeah, I mean, just from like a data perspective, seems like those are the most interesting, so. Sorry if that's a disappointing answer. <laughs> Seth Kudabidi asks, crazy question, but how difficult is it going to be for Norbert to stake all his stash? Haha. <laughs> I love that you're making the decisions yourself than letting the DAO vote for so many. Um, yeah, for Norbert, 
And uh, yeah, so we're thinking of ways to make sure you don't have to stake your NFTs one by one because that would not be pleasant. <clears throat> um, and then you love that I'm making the decisions myself rather than letting the DAO vote. Oh, you mean you're talking about the uh, after we launch Lefinity, the VE Lefinity votes, not the Flare DAO votes. <laughs> I was confused. Um, yeah. Yeah. Like the thing is, I, I don't know if you guys keep track of like some of the DAOs, especially the DeFi DAOs on Solana. Like they do some votes, but <laughs> like a lot of them, they're, they're, there's just a few whales controlling the entirety of the vote. Uh, it's like, I don't know. It's, it's, it's all kind of like, it's just for show. It's not real governance. Um, I mean, it's real governance. <laughs> like anyone can participate, but like practically speaking, you know, small majority just controls the votes. So like, there's no point. So it is just for show. Um, so yeah, I mean, I just don't see the point of going through the motions, you know? Um, yeah. All right. Madon asks or says, doesn't it make sense to then experiment with chain link feeds too? At least gives a fallback, fallback option if Pith becomes expensive in the future. Yeah, that's actually an option that we're not closed to. So it's certainly possible in the future. Um, but my guess would be that like Pith won't be that expensive. That's my guess. <laughs> um, yeah, not sure, but I mean, if they're expensive, just no one uses them, right? So, but yeah, I guess what, maybe what you're getting at is like, if you can choose between Chainlink and Pith and one you have to pay for and the other you don't, then why just not use the one you don't need to pay for? Which, yeah, that, I mean, I that logic works 100%. But the reality is there's differences between the way Chainlink and Pith work. So, yeah, it's, a, it's definitely not straightforward, the trade-off between the two. So yeah, um, like all things, we like to keep our options open. So yeah, yeah. All right, Seth Kudabidi, when do we holders, or when do you think we holders can get to see part six? Um, uh, Soon, probably next week. Yeah, should be next week. Yep, yep. All right. We've reached the end of the questions. If uh, anybody on Twitter would like to ask any questions, they can raise their hands. I can bring you on stage. Um, so maybe I'll just um, wait for a little bit, see if anybody else has questions. And if not, we can call it a day.
Meanwhile, the Flare Sweeper has swept one at 9.8 soul. Nice. All right, well, I think everyone seems satisfied unless Madon and somebody else are typing. Should I wait? All right, yeah, they're just saying thanks. Yeah, thanks for joining, guys. We're gonna call it a day. Our shortest AMA yet. Let's go. <laughs> We're, we've answered everyone's questions. <laughs> the questions keep getting fewer. Although I, I think the next AMA, we're just going to have a shit ton of questions because it's the IDO plus allocation one. And our IDO is not your average IDO. As you know, it's called the VE IDO. What could that mean? Who knows? Tune in for part six to find out. All right. So, yeah. Thanks for joining. Um, yeah. Stay tuned for part six. And uh, pool's opening soon. So get your assets ready to deposit. Um, yeah. I guess that's it. So until next time. Cheers, guys.